Hey there, welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in incredible conversations with amazing leaders in ministry and ministry partners as we encourage and challenge one another to live fully into what God is calling us to be. Each episode, we'll dig into three questions. One, what is hard about being a woman leading in ministry? Two, what is one transformational or even trajectory-changing lesson you've learned about leadership? And three, what does it mean to you to lead bold? We are so excited for you guys to hear from our guest today. This is someone who comes to us with 25 years of church leadership experience, Felicia Larson, who is the pastor of spiritual formation at Awakening Church in San Jose. She's also one of the lead pastors of their protege program, which is a leadership development program for young people stepping into ministry. She's also spearheading this incredible new project called Preacher Chicks, which is this amazing endeavor to focus in on young women of color who are interested in stepping into pastoral ministry who are looking to be mentored. So let's jump in and hear more. Hey listeners, today on our Lead Bold podcast, we are thrilled to welcome Felicia Larson. We are going to have a super engaging and entertaining conversation with her. She's going to talk a little bit about her own pressure of being the only woman around the table, and I know some of you will be able to relate to that. She's also going to share her insights and admit a few things about why it's hard to work with people, even though we're leaders. We hope you enjoy our time with Felicia Larson. Well, welcome to another episode of the Lead Bold Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Aaron Seth. Hey, Aaron. Hey, hey. Good morning, everybody. Well, actually, it might be for you. Oh, yeah. You, we don't know. We don't <laughs> we know, know when, when somebody's this. watching this. Car. Yeah. <laughs> happy, happy fortnight. Happy May Day. I don't know when you listen to this. Whenever you're listening, we are thankful that you are. We're thankful you're here. Um, Yes. And we are welcoming our guest for today, Felicia Larson. Felicia, welcome. Hi there. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to get to be here with you all today. We have, um, I think, a very insightful and exciting conversation ahead of us, so I'm eager to jump in. Um, Before we do, I'd love for our listeners, Felicia, to just kind of get to know you. Obviously, uh, we've already heard all of your official, you know, resume, bio stuff, but just tell us a little bit about kind of where you're serving, how you got there, you know, like snapshot of who is Felicia Larson? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a big question, but um, I will make it quick. Yeah, so I serve at Awakening Church. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation there. And that might sound like a very deep title as like someone who always knew what she wanted to do. And that's so not my story. I've been in ministry for over 20 years and yet have only held the uh, title of pastor just in the last four years. I was the reluctant pastor, if I should say. I went to seminary, just kind of picking and choosing classes, doing some coaching stuff, and then kind of felt called. And that whole idea of feeling called to do something was very big to me. I wasn't just going to get a master's just to do that. But when Mm -hmm. I felt called, it was about 2015, and um, God took me through, and I got my MDiv, and I'm really excited that I did that, and just all the ways it's opened up opportunities for me. Yeah, thank you for that. It's uh, I, I think that because you have done ministry as like a lot of our listeners, where you're you're just doing the next thing that God calls you to do, and then you also have that piece of it that is the formal education, and you know, more recently having stepping into that having the title or whatever. I think you bring a broad 
perspective for our listeners, for sure. Yeah, thank you. And also, one of the things we do as a sort of joke that Aaron and I have been running during this is finding people's <laughs> title of their autobiography. And normally, it takes a really well into the conversation. But I mean, the reluctant pastor, pa- like, yeah, reluctant pastor, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, so our goal will be: we'll have to find the subtitle while the sub- we're yeah, the little the, subtitle okay. for the front of the book in the actual <laughs> conversation. <laughs> oh, and I Felicia, if when we do that, then we come up with the title, but then you have to write it. And so, yeah. just so you know. Oh, I see how this goes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, this is, this is great. I, I let's, let's jump in um, with that perspective that, you know, kind of the different um, contexts that you've been in ministry. Can you talk a little bit about, as you think back, what has been hard? It's one of the, we have three questions we ask, as you know, and the first one is, what is tough about being a woman in ministry? Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for the question. I, you know, there throughout the years, one of the things that I have noticed about myself is I have most often been the only woman in the room Um, with the gifts that God has given me. I have been blessed I grew up with most of my best friends being male, and I feel like God was preparing me for ministry even in that moment Mm. because I've learned how to navigate a room full of guys. And in that, what I mean is just like how to kind of be, you know, the good friend to people. Case in point, in seminary, I actually um, started focusing on basketball just to actually have something to talk about in the room. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my gosh. I knew football from high school because that's what all my friends played. I knew wrestling. I, you know, I understood all those things, but I didn't understand basketball. So fast forward, you know, to seminary and I was like, okay, I I have to learn this language because or else how do I get connected? But anyhow, I all throughout, like I said, I was always that person who kind of knew the sports lingo. I would listen just enough to know, you know, what was going on in the sports world because this was me that I was often the only chick in the room. And so it, it made it, um, very interesting to navigate. People would actually listen to what I had to say. I was always surprised, but it was, you know, I even had had past, um, past leaders come up to me and say, um, I would follow you. And I was shocked because these are men, you know, like from backgrounds and not to stereotype people, but from like strong cultural backgrounds where machismo is like a really big thing. And so when a man would stop me and say that, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and and so I never understood where that came from. But it's it's been, you know, a plus and a minus. On the minus side, the difficult side is your voice. And having your voice be respected in some circles. I was very much used to that in places. So then when it started to be minimized or belittled, I was quite shocked because what kind of happens is you're given a proverbial seat at the table, but then it's like, okay, be happy with your seat. And so then mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're allowed to be there. But then it's like, well, just go along and kind of rubber stamp. And and I'm like, no, wait a second. That's not why you asked me to sit here. At least that's not why God called me here is, you know, how I say it. And so I'm there to offer a different perspective to help people remember that not just 50% of the church 
but sometimes 60 to 70% of the church is female. Um, whether it's um, your ministry leaders, um, it, your volunteer force for sure, and then the admins that kind of run the rest of everything. And so it's like, how do you expect to um, to lead and not understand how those people see the world? With, and I can't represent all of them as one person. So right. that's well, and that's point. a great. Yeah, that's a great point right there is I think sometimes there's this pressure when we find ourselves as the only woman around the table that we're somehow supposed to represent all the women. And it's such um, an impossible task and right. I, and in some ways not even an appropriate one, right? I mean, if we're no. there as a leader, unless you're there as the women's ministry director, maybe then you represent that ministry, which happens to be all women. But you know, I would hope as leaders in a, in a church context or any ministry where it's serving both men and women, that everyone around the table would be mindful of how to best serve, whether it's men, women, whether it's the older generation or the students, whether, you know, whatever, the married people, the single people, all that. So it's an interesting, like, feeling that pressure. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair. Right. Well, and I don't think so because I don't think the men are sitting around the table thinking I have the pressure to represent every single man. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, but it's like there's this one seat and now you represent, you know, 50 percent, if not more. And it's like, okay, but I know you guys have daughters and mothers and sisters. And, you know, so that representation should be in your mind as we as we come to do things. Um, But then it becomes this feeling like I have to then push for things. And then I wonder then how is my voice going to be received? So Mm, then that's the question. mm -hmm. How hard do I push? When I push, does it come across as pushy or just as, you know, understanding that there isn't a lot of understanding around the table. So how do I then make my voice heard? And then what can tend to happen is then it's like, oh, well, you're not exercising that gentle and quiet spirit. You don't sound like a Proverbs 31 woman. You don't <laughs> right. sound like one right now. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking that that woman went and bought land by herself without anybody's input. You 100%. Know, without, you know? so I'm thinking, wait, she had to go and, you know, negotiate in a male dominated space. So definitely she used her voice in an appropriate way to get things done, you know? So. Yeah. So how do you, Oh, go ahead, Erin. We're going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, and it's such an indicator and um, it clearly shows how much I know about sports because when you said like, yeah, I got like into researching basketball, like I was like Felicia's at home watching Hoosiers and Space Jam, but you were probably actually like <laughs> investigating basketball. Yes. But like, it shows know every team. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows, it's a, it's a sliver of an indicator, I think, of women being in a position where we do feel like we have to almost overcompensate beyond what is natural to us to have a like um, an engaging factor in the space or to feel like we can relate in a space to have some kind of something to grab onto. But it does mean that like we often feel like we have to do 
extra work because we just don't have the natural luxury of being a man. And so having the need to kind of overcompensate sometimes to connect Mm -hmm. and to overcompensate, I'm sure in your voicings too, to say, can I, you know, I don't want this to sound too pushy. And at the end of the day, it's like, maybe it needs to, right. But the, the finding the balance and striking the, the, you know, the very delicate line of tact in that space is it's so tough. And, um, it's it, kudos to you, obviously, for, you know, being in that space and being a leader in that space. But Andrea's right. I definitely, you know, I'm sure it's hard to feel like I've got the weight on the world of my back and I have to do more to feel like I can just relate on a personal level outside of ministry, which is Absolutely. intense. Yeah. yeah. Felicia, how have you, what have you learned about kind of walking that line of having to not become something you're not, because I know you're not doing that just because you went out of your way to learn about basketball, for example, but but having to really think and be intentional and be processing, like, how am I perceived? How hard do I push? How do you balance that? Or balance is a bad word, but how do you walk the line between that and just being true to, to, to not filtering, I guess, and just being true to yourself. And, or I, you know, I don't know if that's the right way to say it either, but can you just talk about maybe just, cause I think a lot of our listeners totally can relate to this and whether the, whether those expectations are put on us as women fairly or unfairly, whether we tackle them or not, they're there. And so how do you, what would you say to our listeners about how to kind of navigate those two things? Yeah, well, I think going back to call, right, like knowing that I'm called to be here helps me a lot. Like it helps me to really settle myself in that space that I'm here not because I have a degree. I'm here because God called me to be. And I think that helps me a lot. I think number two, something that Heather Holloman actually wrote, uh, she's an author of a book called Seated. And she kind of writes books based on the verbs in scripture. And this one was really amazing. Seated is, she just says, I already have a seat at the table. Scripture tells me that I'm seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And so there's that walking into that space going, this position's already mine. Not because, again, not because of anything other than that's who God made me to be. And so you know, getting back to, you know, the created order of men and women alongside each other. Like that's what I I walk into the space, understanding those truths from scripture that I'm not um, less than that. I, that I don't carry necessarily the weight of, of the world on my shoulders, even though I can kind of have that thought process, but then I, I go to God and I'm like, okay, I'm your daughter. You called me to be here. Help me as I walk in this space. Help me to have my crown on right because we're all, you know, princes and princesses, right? But let me have my crown on right, like not too high, not too low. Uh, (laughs) No, so that's that's the way I think about it. And then also too, you know, um, for those of you who may know about the enneagram, I'm an eight. So oh, (laughs) hey girl, (laughs) Erin just goes oh. Ooh. <laughs> and so the force is expected when oh, I come in those spaces. True. Sure, sure. That's why I have to learn to temper it on a whole other level, right? Um, but I but I do I do feel a lot more comfortable um with that. And, and men have tend to have that expression too when I announce I'm an eight, they're like, oh, so it's like, oh, we know where her place is, you know. <laughs> so Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it's not, I, but I think for, for every woman, it, it really is just realizing 
what scripture says, that at this point in history, what Jesus did was level the playing field and bring us back into harmony with the way the created Mm. order was. Mm -hmm. And so then I step into that space with that reality in front of me. Mm -hmm. It's such a good word to continually be going back to who, who am I doing this with and for, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so that's really, really good to kind of keep that perspective. Um, I feel like I heard a subtitle for your autobiography in what you just said, um, because just the eight and the uh, call. Um, So wait, it's reluctant pastor, right? The reluctant pastor, colon. How about the reluctant pastor, colon, the force is with her. (laughs) The force is with her. I almost, I was thinking also like, like something like the reluctant pastor, keep like, like keep your crown. What's the thing about like your crown? Keep your, oh, your crown. crown. On, my keep crown, crown keeps slipping. That's right. Oh my God. No. Yeah. There's so many. I, There's so many. But I think, you know, it's so funny. And, and for those who might not be aware, um, the Enneagram number eight, like its nickname is like the challenger. And I think what is so amazing about something like the Enneagram, when we think about that in correspondence, like what well, it's not a ne- necessarily a spiritual thing, but it's something that we correlate with like our motivations. It's more uh, a personality assessment about why we do the things that we do. And what I love about the eight is the reason that they tend to be a person who is more vocal in a space and who is kind of the, the, the challenger and its nickname in a space is because they deeply care about harmony, which I love that you yeah. mentioned that too. Yeah. And what's so amazing is when we think about harmony, like we think about the garden of Eden and even then, like God knew that to actually bring harmony, he had to kick them out. Like harmony doesn't always mean that everybody is like smiling, right? Like harmony often means that sometimes tough, tough love lives there. Mm-hmm. And um, for those of you out there who are listening and who are eights, like we need you, you know, that I think it's something that I jokingly was like, okay, girl, because it definitely is something that like, it tends to be the voice in the room that kind of like holds everybody accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's that mm-hmm. voice, I think, in ministry that is often sometimes not present. I think people, like you said, have a fear of being too controversial or too co- conflicting, even when it's done really tactfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that, that um, I love that idea of bringing harmony to a space by sometimes being the person who has to bring tough love to the space too. Oh, thank yeah. you. I, I appreciate you saying that because while the Enneagram gives a number of different titles, uh, one of the other ones that I enjoy for the eight is the protector. And it mm-hmm. really is that idea of like protecting that space so that everyone has a voice, right? It's not Great. just so that the loudest people in the room get a voice, but I'm going to be that person that says, hey, I noticed that this person's been quiet. That's out of my protection for that person's voice. It's not just to challenge for the sake of challenging, but people can take it that way. And so right. I really appreciate you expanding on that because totally, really, it's very much my heart behind the way I do things. So, yeah. Good stuff. Um, let's move on to our second question because I think it'll just continue to tie in with what we're already talking about. Um so our second question is this idea of uh, what is one transformational thing you've experienced, maybe even trajectory shifting that has changed ministry for you or has taught you something important about ministry? Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes. So if I could just start here, that before I went to seminary, I spent most of my adult life self-employed. So I am, you know, 
self-motivated, self-starter, get everything done on my own. And then I went to seminary. You got to take all these assessments um, there. And one of the things that my professor says to me is, wow, Felicia, you are certainly an individual. (laughs) And, (laughs) And that hurt a little bit. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, take on top of like that. Like it wasn't um, as a compliment. Like you didn't take it as a compliment and it, you didn't no, feel like I it was not. given as a compliment. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure. He's a very sweet man. Love him. He's very, very kind. But his point was, was in ministry, you have to do things as part of a team. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not good at that. I mean, I'm the oldest child. So, you know, I'm also the example all the time. And so like, I'm always out front, you know, and I think of that as well, you're out front paving the way and then come to find out, you know, it's part of being part of a team and learning how to access everyone's, you know, capabilities and everything, and then to move together and move forward that way. So when you say here, you know, like paradigm shifting, like that really was for me. And so thankfully I had that information a year before I graduated because that was really helpful for me to start to think. And and I think about the graciousness of God because it's how I work. Once I know something, I go to work on like starting to, you know, work on that and see how I can integrate that. And so, yeah, it's very shifting for me and very grateful for the team that I get to be a part of now. And because they are phenomenal. And I I learned that, you know, everyone has something to contribute, Mm -hmm. no matter who the leader is. And our pastor is really good at this, at really like, you know, asking for everyone's input. And at the end of the day, like at some point the input stops and a decision gets made, but the just eliciting other people and the understanding that not one of us is as smart as all of us. And so how do we, you know, come together and really share our expertise? That's why we were all put together. Mm -hmm. So as somebody who, you know, has been really used to being on your own and kind of fending for yourself and doing, getting it done, what has that looked like for you to learn to rely on other people or even defer to them as a leader? You know, we think, like you said, I think a lot of us think of the leader as like the paving the way I'm up front, but it really is bringing out the best in the whole team. And so what has that looked like for you? Well, I would just say, um, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and yeah. that's part of, I don't get to hire anyone, but it, it's part of the DNA of our, of our team and our leadership and the way things are done. And so um, granted, not everyone is great at everything. And so you help people to learn those things that they're not great at and bring them along. But I, I truly say that when you hire people who are smarter than you, that are better at you than other things that you're, you know, weak at when you're surrounded by people who are focused on excellence, it makes it easy to trust them. And, and so, and it also means that people who aren't necessarily focused on excellence will self-select out (laughs) because. Oh yeah. At least it's what we've noticed um, that, it's not, we don't ask people to leave. I mean, you know, on the rare occasion, there may have been someone, but for the most part, it's just like, this is the pace at which we move at. This is the bar that we have set. And so um, that's usually how it works. And so when I delegate something to someone on our team, 
I don't worry about it because we all have the same goal, which is to present ourselves with excellence. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about a recent team that you've started, because I have a a vested interest (laughs) uh, um, of, you know, just kind of as an example of being willing to, to form a team and to lead a team and together as the team kind of figure out where you're going, because that can be, I think for a lot of us, we stall on moving forward because we feel like we have to have it all figured out. And yet the irony is that it's as you move forward together that I think we figure it out. So tell us, tell us about your recent adventure. (laughs) Well, um, so my recent adventure and Andrea is being sweet about it because she's part of it with me. It's called preacher chicks. And it's been so fun to bring together some women that I just admire in an amazing way, who I find that are amazing leaders, speakers, preachers. And the whole idea behind it is how do we create an incubator for specifically women of color um, to learn to speak and preach and to give them opportunities and avenues within which to do that? And so I reached out to Andrea and a few other friends of mine, again, people who are smarter than me (laughs) at this, but just to invite them into this space to help me put together what would it look like to empower the voice of the next generation. I mean, I feel so, so called to that. Like that's what God has called me to is to help develop the next generation of leaders. And so personally in this group, it's preachers and female preachers of color and it will be open to more people but that's where I feel my heart is at this time and it came out of actually reading a book by another pastor and he was talking about you know having young men come under his wing and follow him on speaking gigs and doing uh, things um, at the church you know late into the night and things like that and I'm like well a woman would never get that opportunity where would she get that? She wouldn't be able to travel with him and like sit in a, you know, airport lounge and talk about stuff or, you know, hang out late at night and chat. And I'm like, well, then I want to do this. How do I do this? And then I don't want to do this alone because I've learned my lesson about doing things together. And so (laughs) this is truly my way of trying out something and starting from scratch with a team. And I have been, um, just so excited and very blessed for the team that's come together. That is phenomenal. And like, so I think that that is something that we hear a lot in some of the conversations we have on this podcast is combating, you know, a lot of what we see in difficulty by just championing people and celebrating them, like seeing what we think is worthwhile and and seeing what value they have and what God has gifted them to doing and giving them space and a place to do it and to learn and try, you know, there's so few places to like try. Um, I love that that's something you're, you're doing. And it's, um, I, I'm so touched by that. I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast where I don't think I have. The only reason I started being able to kind of speak in a, in a grander space was because Andrea Coley uh, was, saw my seminar at this like retreat and was like, 
you need to say yes to everyone who asks you to do this and invited me to come speak in other places and gave exactly like you're mentioning, gave me a space to watch her, to, to learn. Um, and I think that it's, it's so important even more so beyond just the idea of of championing people is to champion women of color who I think so rarely get to see themselves represented in a, in a space of leadership. And so this is so cool. How can people, how can people find out about that more? Actually, yeah, um, you can email me. Um, yeah, so Felicia at, um, actually, Felicia.journeycoach at gmail. Cool. Yeah. We'll repeat that at the end, too, so people catch it. Yeah. That's great. No, but I would love to hear from people because it's certainly something we're putting it together. We're in the beginning stages with the leadership, but then we plan to launch in 2021. So something good's going to come out of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's amazing. amazing. For sure. Yeah, no, it's, I just, you know, as I've, as I've gotten to know you, Felicia, and kind of have observed the way that you're leading this group, and, and I can only think maybe extends to how you lead in other, in the rest of your ministry life is there, there is a, there is that drive, but there's also the humility and the really intentionally creating that space for the other voices. Uh, it's exactly what you're talking about. And I mean, let's just thank that seminary professor who, who, who was able to be honest with you and say, listen, it's really important that you figure out how to, how to not only lead teams, but just have a team context. Uh, it's man, I, I, I'm, I just don't even have words. It's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) So great. His honesty, for sure. Yeah. Well, that leads us really well to our last question about leading bold. Uh, For you, Felicia, what does that mean for you to lead bold? Well, people think of boldness as like charging ahead and, you know, all those sorts of things. But for me, when I think of lead bold, I think of always being a learner, actually being in that posture of humility and willing to learn. Um, Because I have seen people out front with not always the best information or not, you know, always the latest information or, you know, the freshest information. And you're not going to get everything right. I understand that. But I think as as you stay in a humble posture of learning, what it has helped me to do is to be willing to learn from people, number one, who are younger than me, because that is who we're leading to. That's who we're preaching to. That's who we're hoping to influence and to bring along and to pass along the baton of the church to, right? So I then also have to be willing to learn, okay, then what is... Um, not just attractional, but what is important to the next generation. Um, I also think that it's important to learn from people that I don't necessarily agree with. And in this season of life, um, that's really hard because I'm like, I just turned 50. Like, I feel like I know a lot of things, you know, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but I think what's important is just the idea that just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean that there isn't something in what you're saying. There's yeah. such wisdom to that. I mean, I I struggle with that so much because I don't I I don't want to read a book about whatever this other thing that is a different viewpoint because first of all, who has time for that? But but it's so true. I but but it's it's the, and it is about humility and and respect. Like even even within yes. these bold, you know, we talk about how 
you know, we want all women, regardless of, say, for example, in the thought of, you know, women's roles, regardless of what you come to with that, what you believe, how you live it out, uh, we can all be at different places, but we want Lead Bold to be a place where we can mutually encourage one another and where we can respectfully dialogue and seek to understand where the other person is coming from. So that's so important when you're talking about being intentional about engaging with people who don't agree with you and on topics that, you know, there might be disagreement. Yeah. Well, and if I can just say like, I, some of my best teachers, especially about people I don't necessarily always agree with are my children. And I don't say that in a mean way. I say that because they are coming with information that I haven't necessarily processed yet. But one of the things I want to say too, was with people who don't agree, just because someone is pushing back and saying, I don't agree, doesn't mean they're not listening. And just Mm. because they're pushing with their opinion that they have thought through and fully understand doesn't mean that they're not listening. So keep sharing in a way that's also humble because you also may not be right. It's just a different opinion. And so I think it's really important for us to all realize that today what I hold so strongly to with more information, I might be willing to change my mind. And so that's why it's important to have a robust dialogue about something and be willing to hear. And I will tell you, this has been years of practice because trust me, I, I'm a very strong and opinionated person and have my opinions down, but I have learned over years to come become open because when I do get more information, I'm like, oh, I may not change everything about what I think, but I'm willing to shift pieces of it. That sentiment is so um, profound, I mean, in and of itself, and also so important and prominent for what we consider is happening in our world today. And I've seen this thing kind of passed around Instagram a lot, this like kind of like infographic that just says, normalize changing your opinion when being presented with new information. Um, and uh, I think I love that, you know, it's it's okay to be in a position to say like, you know what? I had not considered that and I may not change my mind, but I had not considered it and I'm going to take the time to consider. Um, But I just think that that is incredibly profound. Yeah. Tying that to the word bold is not always the first place that we go, you know? So it's really powerful to think about boldness is not just declaring like, here's where I am. I'm going to stick by it. But it's, it's also the, the learning, like you said, the humility, the conversation. Um, I think that's really important. And it, and it's the same thing that we've been saying since the beginning. It is, it's that line. It's the, it's always kind of walking the line, having the balance. And it so much comes back to, I think, being what you said before, which is being in tune with the one who called you being in tune with the spirit who might be shifting your attention one way or might be changing your theology. (gasps) You know, I mean, I, I look back (laughs) at my own, my own, you know, I, I do believe differently than I did even 10 years ago, five years ago. And having that perspective that that is also what it is to be a bold leader is so helpful. I'm glad that that's the perspective that you brought. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, I just, um, 
lastly, just wanted to say that as you were talking, what it made me think about was just the word humility itself means power under control, right? And so I think like as women, we definitely walk that line, right? Because I feel like demonstratively speaking, men have the ability to sort of be out there with their power and women have to sort of walk that line with power under control. But I, I do think that it's so, um, I do think that it's so important for us to use our voice when we're called to, and then to, you know, be willing to submit to God when he calls us to do something different. And to, as you said, the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us. And it's not that God's word changes. It's that as we become more enlightened by the Holy Spirit, we change and we begin to understand things differently. And so that's where I think the power is in the humility, right? Is like, I'm, I'm constantly listening and shifting and following the spirit. And as he illuminates more to me, then I'm willing to say, I see that differently. Felicia, it has been so good to talk with you. I, as, as we usually say, because we have amazing guests is we could just sit here all day and keep just hearing amazing wise things out of your mouth, but we oh. will end it here for now. And just with so much gratitude on your perspective and your willingness to share it with our listeners and just, you are, you are part of our lead bold community. You know, I know that you've been part of the conferences and have uh, you know, that's kind of how we got connected. So I'm so thankful to get to peek into your story a little bit more and so happy to have been with you today. Yeah. I think that we're excited to read your book, The Reluctant yes. Pastor Called and Seated. <laughs> I'm, I'm awesome. ready for that. And also, can you give us your email one more time for preacher chicks? Yes. So Felicia.journeycoach at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you All so right. much. All right. Thanks so much, Felicia. Thank you. Wow. Well, we are so glad that we had a chance to sit down with Felicia. We hope you found the conversation today impactful, that maybe the Lord placed something on your heart from uh, hearing about Felicia's experiences. Here at Lead Bold, we are all about being able to engage as a community and to be a sense of support and connection for one another. So please feel free to go to our website, leadingbold.org, to find out more, to see um, information about meetups, about Zoom meetings, about opportunities for you to get plugged in and connected to our community. And of course, if you're interested in Preacher Chicks, you can absolutely reach out to Felicia at felicia.journeycoach at gmail.com to learn more. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time.